Well, church, I don't know if I have prayed as many hours as long as I have for a sermon series as I have for this one. I don't know if I have anticipated, if I've been as excited about starting a series as, as much as I've had anticipation and excitement for the one that we're kicking off today. Over the next 14 weeks, I believe that God is leading us to go on a journey together to walk through the book of Acts together. And so this series is simply entitled, The Book of Acts. I did a lot of work on that title. Now, we're just going to spend time soaking and saturating ourselves in the book of Acts. We're going to be spending a lot of time together studying God's Word in the book of Acts over the next uh, few months. And, and I want to invite you to make every effort to be here each Sunday as we will see one week build upon another. If you happen to miss a week, we'll have some of the uh, notes with the blanks filled in in the foyer that you can pick up. But make every effort to be here. But I want to invite you to do something more than that. I want you to allow the, the message, the teaching, the preaching time on Sunday morning to just be the beginning of your exploration of God's Word in the book of Acts. And so to help you experience to engage God's Word throughout the week. Each week there'll be three sample days of devotions that you can walk through on the back of your, your sermon notes. Now, it's not super important to me that you use that as your guide, but whatever you need to help you to, to walk through on your own the same passages of Scripture we read on Sunday morning, to take time that week to walk through them as well. Have you, have you ever uh, been a part of a book club, or maybe it was a class in school that you really liked that had good discussion, but there was there's that one person who came to book club or who came to class. I mean, they liked being there with everybody. They, they sure loved discussion. They even wanted to enter in discussion, but it was, it was obvious to everyone around they never read the book. Or met someone like that, I don't know, maybe that was you at book club or in the class. It's it just, I, I want to talk about it. I like being there. I like everything about the book club or about the class, but, but, but didn't really read the book. Have you ever met somebody who loves to get exercise gear? They tell us that this is the month when the exercise company make all their money. All the gyms fill up with memberships over capacity, knowing that they're going to be just fine come February, and they just kind of make it through it. And sometimes we like getting new shoes, or we like getting exercise clothes, or we like getting the equipment we need, and we even will work out exercise plans or, or look at a, a new diet, but we never really do the exercise plan. When I lived in Ohio a, a number of years back, my workout partner found out that he had to provide some strict accountability for me because I enjoyed going to the gym and, and my friend Jim would get on the treadmill in front of me and I conveniently got on the treadmill behind him because our pattern was after we finished our run, we would meet at the hot tub and, and kind of hang out and talk before we'd go to our day at work. And so I discovered that if Jim was in front of me, I could just slip out after the fifth or sixth minute and just go on to the hot tub and he'd meet me there and he wouldn't be the wiser. And I liked being around the gym. I liked being in the exercise gear, but I didn't really want to do the exercise. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I don't know if that's ever been you in your life. Or I kind of think the same thing about when you get something, you buy something you have to assemble. This year for Christmas, we got Caden a loft bunk bed kind of thing, and I got it for a great price. It was exciting. It was online. It was free shipping, but I noticed in the reviews on the product before I purchased it, they said, it is a bear to put together. 
I got this box home. I opened it up. It was a gazillion pieces. It ceased to feel like a good deal. Uh, It was a lot. And I looked at the instruction book, and it kind of reminded me of a time when I was in a similar situation, when I had bought a treadmill way back, and I had to assemble that. I opened up that box, and, and it was like a book. The instructions were so thick. And, and I didn't want to spend the time going through it, so I just would kind of skip ahead and look at some pictures and go, how hard is this? It's a treadmill. It's like 60% put together. I can do this. Put the instruction book away, and, and I assembled the treadmill, turned it on, and it technically worked, but I noticed that all the wires were hanging outside of the tubing. I noticed that the knobs were not on correctly, and while it technically worked, it definitely did not look good. It was ugly. It wasn't safe. It was for sure not the way that the designer intended this product to, to look or to be used. And, and so I had some semblance of what it was, but it was not what was supposed to be there. I share these thoughts with you because I think that's how many of us come to God's Word. How often are we around God's Word and we never really read it? And we like to talk about it. We like to be around people who read it, but we don't really read it. We, we will carry it. We'll download it to our devices, but we, we never really read it. Or how many of us, we kind of like the idea of having God's word with us, but we don't want to do it. We may read it every now and then, but I, mean, I don't really want to, I don't really want to do it. Or we may do it a little bit or read a little bit, but, but I sure am not going to spend a lot of time. We get impatient and we want to move forward and move through it. See, I believe it's important for us over the next 14 weeks to go through the entire book of Acts together, not just from what we will receive, but what it can teach us about ourselves. You know, a lot of us, we like self-help books, and, and there's nothing wrong with a self-help book. We can learn some things, but, but there's a problem. What happens when you, yourself, is the problem? A self-help book isn't much help. We all enjoy and we need some motivation from time to time, but if all we ever get is a talk or a teaching or, or friends who just motivate us, what happens when you need more than motivation? What happens when you need transformation in your life? Motivation doesn't cut it. We need something more than that. And we all like a, a topical study that hits right to your peak interest. There's just something that you're just really intrigued about. And man, I'd, I'd love to learn more about that, but not that topic over there. And it's, it's okay to have some interest, but if we only take in, if we only digest, if we only learn, if we only gather to study the topics that just kind of pique our interest, we can miss what God wants to do for us. And don't misunderstand me. In the book of Acts, there is going to be some help. It's not self-help, but it's God-help. In the book of Acts, there'll be things that is, it's motivating but it's not just motivational, it's transformational. And there'll be some things that, that's not just motivating, it's not just help to us. There'll be topics that are very relevant to our life that will emerge from the text, but we only find them when we read through God's Word together. So, I want us to look quickly at, at seven reasons why we here at Grace Point hold the Bible with high priority. We want to read it. We want to do what it says. And we want to spend time with it. Real fast, I'm going to go through these super fast. So you may think that I'm talking too fast, but I want to warn you, you're listening too slow, okay? So get your pen. And even if you normally don't take notes, grab your outline today. You're going to want to keep this. This is something you're going to refer back to. And I believe that God wants to bless you with this. So so jot down as quick as you possibly can. I'll try to speak as slow as I can, but it's not going to work too much. But why do we study the Bible? Why would we go through the book of Acts together? Why is this important to us? One, God's Word gives us faith. 
Are you lacking faith today? Are you just full of doubt? Romans 10, 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Why do we study the Bible? The Bible is useful. It's not archaic. It's not out of date. It's not just some good literature somewhere. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why do we read the Bible? God's Word gives us joy. Do you feel down today? Do you feel depressed? Do you feel under the weather? I had a friend who would say, If you're under the weather, what are you doing under there? Get out. Are you lacking joy? God's word brings joy. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen says, When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. Why do we read the Bible? Why do we study it? Why do we, we do it? Why do we spend time with it? God's word gives us success. Where do we get that? Joshua 1 8 says, Keep this book of the law, or the word of the Lord, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in it. We'll come back to that. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Fifth, why do we study the Bible? God's word gives us victory over temptation. Friend, whether you know it or not, you need victory over temptation this week. Right about the time you think you don't need victory over temptation is when you most desperately need it. Psalm 119, verse 9 says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Why would we read the Bible like this and and actually read it and and do what it says and spend time with it? Because God's word gives us direction. You know this verse, Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. Finally, God's word gives us value. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than the honey from the honeycomb. I say all this to share with you this morning, that there is an immense value and what we're going to be doing together in God's word over the next few weeks. As I said, each week I I want you to take time and to study on your own, whether you use the devotions in the back of, of this outline or not, take time to walk through the book of Acts together. Let's pray together as we kick this off and dive into God's word. Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word, when it's proclaimed, when it's read, when we do what it says when we spend time with it. It never, ever comes back void. So, Lord, this morning I ask not only that you will breathe on the Word, but, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be attentive to what you want to do. God, would you break us out of our cultural patterns that just often seek self-help or a motivation or some topic that we have great interest in. Lord, would you not give us today what we want Would you give us what we desperately need? And Lord, may we see the help that comes out of it. Lord, may we see the the transformation that brings motivation. Lord, may we see the things that we are dealing with, the very topics in our everyday life you have words for us on. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're going to do in our midst. Amen. If you have your Bible with you today, I want you to take it and lift it over your head. Maybe it's your device you download the Bible on. Lift it up if you have it. Be, Be proud of it. It's okay. I want to see if you've got it. 
Well, some of you aren't doing it. Now, this is going to vote. I can wait forever. If you've got your Bible, raise it up. I want to see it. Okay. You can put it down. If you don't have a Bible with you today, you're going to have to get close to someone who does. All right? So if they have a phone and not a Bible, then you're going to have to get really close so you can see it. But I want to challenge you. Bring God's Word with you every single week. You're going to need to use it. If it's your favorite device that you downloaded on or your, your print Bible in front of you, bring that. And I want us to read God's Word together. Today we'll be looking at Acts chapter 1, 1 through chapter 2, verse 13. I'll have just a couple minutes longer today than what we typically will go through as we jumpstart this series. But in this chunk of Scripture, there's three key sections that I believe God wants to highlight for us today. Throughout this series, I don't feel God calling me to preach on every single verse. There's going to be so much meat that you can walk through throughout the week through each and every verse. But as things are highlighted, I want God to help us see what he wants for us in this time we have together. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now that's going to be important. We'll come back to that. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I love verse 6. So then they met together and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. What in the world is going on here? What is happening in this text? As we walk through each week, we will not only begin to see what God has for us, but we first need to see what is God doing in the midst of the people that's being written about? What is God saying to those who originally heard this this passage of Scripture? And and in turn, then, what does it mean for our life? A question that jumps out to me that helps us get at this is, is what does Jesus command his disciples to do and prepare them to expect? In your notes, jot this down. The first thing we see is, is Jesus commands them, do not go anywhere. Wait for the gift my Father promises. We find that in verse 4. Here Jesus, he doesn't suggest to wait, but he commands them to wait. And wait for the gift that God had promised. See, they, they heard Jesus talk about this. This wasn't brand new news. In John 16, 7, Jesus says, it's good for me to go away so the Advocate can come, the Holy Spirit can come. I will send him, Jesus says. In essence, His command is to say, don't go anywhere until you get the gift I have promised for you. And I love what happens in verse 6. Jesus had already told them what was coming in the gift. Here this very powerful Spirit of God is coming. And the first thing the disciples think to ask is this. "Uh, Jesus, uh, that's good and all, but uh, 
Is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Like, what about now? You see, they were so excited. They, They tried to pay attention. We read a little bit earlier that for the last 40 days, Jesus was talking about his kingdom. And they got bits and pieces of it, but they didn't quite understand all of it. And they were eager to to know all the details. Are you that way? I kind of like to know the whole details. Giving me half the details and expect me to run with you, it it didn't mesh with my personality. I want to know everything. And so just like us, the disciples are saying, okay, that's good about a gift coming. But but what about this kingdom thing? Is Is it happening now? Is now the time? And I love what Jesus says. His response, so gentle, so kind. Verse 7, look at it. It's not for you to know. I guess we see here, and jot this down in your notes, don't expect to know and understand all the details. What is Jesus telling them to do? Wait. What is he telling them to expect? Don't expect to understand everything. Don't expect to have all of the details. Some things are in God's mind. They're not for us to know. But as soon as he says that, he says, but, hold on. Expect to receive power from the Holy Spirit. Why? To be my witness. Wow. The disciples were more interested in knowing and understanding when Jesus says you need to be less interested about knowing and understanding and more interested in receiving my power from my spirit to be my witnesses. This is exactly the point of what Jesus is trying to tell them. Now, let's just pause here for a moment. I think I can see on some of our eyes, it's kind of like, Pastor Brady, I'm trying here. But like last time I checked, I'm not living in the first century. And last time I checked, I have very real life contemporary issues that I'm dealing with. How in the world could this apply to me? What does this have to do with my life? Friend, I want you to not only read it. I want you to be able to do what it says. And to be able to do what it says, we need to spend some time with this text. So, so hang with me and press in. See, Jesus is telling them some things that are not just for them, it's also for us as well. I believe there's some application for us. Each and every week we'll dive into this and we'll begin to see what God wants us to do to apply our life to it. Do you ever feel stuck in your own Bible reading at this place? You read it and you look at it and you just go, I don't get what it means to me. What in the world does this have to do with my life? We're going to practice this together of reading God's word, looking at what it originally said, what it meant to them, and see what God is calling us to do to apply our life to these principles. It won't happen overnight, but we'll begin to see this together. And it won't just be, oh, I got a good nugget on Sunday morning. It'll be, whoa, I knew I didn't need Pastor Brady for this. I can do this all week long. There's good stuff here. It's coming alive to me. And as we practice this together, we need to not just read it, To be able to do it, we need to spend time and understand it. I think a point of application for us, before I get in what's in your outline, sometimes we we, we miss how basic and key this is. Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. This is what you should expect. I was with a group of teenagers. I was a teenager at the time, and, and we were going on a cave tour. And I'll never forget, the leader of that tour was giving us some very important instructions. Later, I found out, I didn't know at the time because I was goofing off and I didn't listen and I felt like it was stupid. Who needs to know that? I know everything. I'm a teenager. So I didn't listen. And what was told was how long it was going to be. It was going to be a mile crawl through a narrow tunnel. And then once we get to the end, it would open up into a large cavern. But it would be about a mile crawl. 
It would take some time. But stay close to the leader, stay close to the group, and we can talk each other through it. That's what the instructions were given. That's what to expect, but I didn't listen. And so as they went on, I kind of hung behind. And, and when I made my way through the tunnel where I saw everybody else go, I kind of lagged behind more and more and more. I thought, well, how long can this be? But I didn't have the information. I didn't know what I was supposed to do because I wasn't listening. I didn't know what to expect. And it was long. It was dark. I was convinced that I lost everybody. You know, how true is that in our life? We get going down a path and we didn't listen to what Jesus told us to do. We didn't listen to what we're supposed to expect. And life seems so long. You may be just on the edge of to the tavern opening up before you. But if you would have stayed close to the leader, if you would have listened to the instructions, it would have helped. I think God has something like that for us in this passage. The first, jot this down. Uh, your and my first priority must be to wait on God. Just like the disciples, Jesus commanded them to wait on God. God is commanding us to wait on Him. Now check this out. It's not wait on God when you feel like it. It's not wait on God as a last resort after everything else fell through. Wait on God first. Wait on God before you go. You see, the gift the Father promised is not just for them. It's for me. It's for you as well. What is it that you're tempted to do before waiting on God? The enemy will bring a temptation for you to do something before you wait on God. Are you, are you tempted to secure your own plan, to, to get your backup plan taken care of before you wait on God? To feed your own savings or your own financial plan before you begin to step into what God is calling you to do with your finances? Are you tempted to map out your detailed life plan, to, to map out all those options and look at all the options before you, before you step out in this reckless, obedient faith? before God? Do you find yourself tempted to check public opinion before you wait on God? Well, God, I'll wait on you, but let's find out what other people think first. What do my parents think? What do my coworkers think? What does my spouse think? I want to first look, God, at the, the land of opportunity before me. God, I just, you know, I want to wait on you, but right now is not a good time. The, the urgency of what's going on in my family, I can't afford to wait, so I'll wait on you later. God clearly says, wait before you do anything else. Wait on me. Could it be that we struggle with waiting because we feel it's more important that we do something or say something? Remember last week's message, what we heard from God's word. It's not so much what we do or say. It's that we are to be his witnesses. We are to witness him and to witness for him. The second thought of application for us in this section is to expect not to understand everything that's just pretty plain and simple it needs to be said before us expect not to understand everything the this is meant i believe to be a blessing to us but sometimes we take it as a curse the reason we take it as a curse is because if i am fixated on being in control of my life then not understanding everything not only is frustrating it can produce fear if if my life is fixated on me being in control. If I don't understand it, I am frustrated, I'm fearful. But if I surrender my life, if I let someone else drive my life, if I let God be in charge of my life, then all of a sudden, me not having to understand everything, it's freeing. It's a blessing. I'm called to be obedient. I'm not called to understand everything. It's not if you don't understand. It's when you don't understand. There will be times when you don't understand everything. Expect it. 
And the next application from this section is that you and I need His power to fulfill His purpose for our life. How often do we find ourselves as Christians where we're seeking understanding and knowledge of God? We want to know it more than we want His power to do His will. And Jesus is saying, guys, it's not for you to know everything, but you will need my power. Now, if your life is set to accomplish your agenda, you don't need his power. Because you're going to try to go through your own agenda yourself. But if you begin to see what he has opened up before you of his agenda, you need his power to accomplish his purpose in your life. Well, let's get back to the text and see what else God has, not only for the disciples, but what he has for us. Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Chapter 1, verse 13. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, and Simon, and also Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in this ministry. You see, they were very disturbed. Not only did they witness the crucifixion of Jesus, but here one of their very own betrayed Jesus. Judas trade information for Jesus and and got 30 pieces of silver and then this land was purchased through this and and Judas now has taken his own life on this property and it's because of this that they're going through hardship. And let's read on. Peter says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his place be deserted, that there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Verse 21, Therefore, It's necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph and also Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which one of these two you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. What in the world is happening here? How did these disciples respond to this? You've got to see that Jesus is gone. Judas had just betrayed Jesus. They're now short a leader. And after praying, they had to make some tough decisions. That helps us get at the heart of this. How did these disciples face these tough decisions while they were waiting on God? I think it's important to see that life was not frozen when they were waiting on God. In that waiting time, they faced some tough decisions. Jot this down. Here's what they did in that waiting time. They joined together constantly in prayer. We find this as a theme throughout the book of Acts, and it was something a part of their DNA that they would continually, constantly meet to pray. Pastor Brady, I'm struggling here. I'm trying to chew on this meat. What does this have to do with me, friends? There is problems that come when you wait on God. 
Sometimes we get so derailed and we think, I'm waiting on God. What in the world is this problem for? Expect it. You won't always understand it. There will be decisions, tough decisions that need to be made. So what did they do? They met together and they prayed. Not only did they pray, it says they studied scriptures. Verse 16 and 20, it tells us that Peter references these important scriptures. And they also sought God's wisdom above their own. Don't miss this. Verse 24, after they consulted scripture and they prayed, they felt like they should replace a leader. And as they began to nominate some people, they were quick to see that, Lord, you know everyone's heart. In other words, you know more than us. Jesus, you've just told us that we don't know everything. So, God, would you show us? Which is your choice? I love this. In the midst of the waiting time, they had decisions to take place, but it wasn't this wasted time, idle time. They were actively dependent on the Lord. Now, as we read the rest of this text, it tells us that they cast lots. Now, some scholars tell us that they should never have chosen Matthias, that it was supposed to be Paul. And they list the reason for this is that we never hear of Matthias again and that Paul later on has to make a strong case for his own apostleship. Yet other scholars disagree and say that this is a stretch because nothing in the text itself tells us that the disciples made a bad choice or they did something that was displeasing to the Lord. And some of the scholars struggle with this idea of casting lots as as some kind of good idea of how to make wise decisions. And a very select few say this is a great way to choose leaders today. Just draw straws. I tend to agree with the scholars that that highlight that there's nothing in the text to tell us that the disciples did something wrong. There's nothing in the text to tell us that the disciples did something displeasing to God. So what are we to make about this whole casting lots thing? I mean, if we would think about choosing our leaders today by just drawing straws, we would cringe at the idea. We want to vote. We vote around here. We're going to choose our leader. That's how our country does it. That's how our culture does that. But yet... I've seen some elections that I don't know that they were much more effective than casting straws. You know, I think there is a key truth for us in this. It's not about what method to use. It's more about the heart motive of how we make a decision. Regardless of what scholar you align yourself with and what you think happened with Matthias or Paul or whatever, it's very clear, no one disagrees, that that they had a heart. They prayed, Lord, which one would you choose? It was their motive to hear God's wisdom that is important for us to see when we are facing tough decisions while we're waiting on God. It's not frozen. We can make some decisions by seeking God's will over our own. It's our heart motive that's more important even than the mechanism of how we sometimes make that decision. So, like Monday, how do I use this, Brady? Well, what in the world? How could I apply my life to this? Friend, Jot this down. In the waiting time, you will face challenging decisions. You can take it to the bank. You can count on it while you're waiting on God. God, who am I supposed to marry? God, what job am I supposed to get next? God, how in the world are we going to get out of this relationship nightmare in our family? God, this mountain of debt is choking me out. What is supposed to happen next? While you're waiting on God, take it to the bank. You will face a tough decision expect it. So many people I talk to, they they lose heart, they get derailed because they think, I'm waiting on God, nothing bad should happen. Expect that things will happen like this. And let's learn from it. You see, when when those things happen to us, what do we often do? We want to get by ourselves. We want to run away. We want to kind of be a recluse. Yet, often when you feel like being alone, that's when you most need to join 
with others in prayer. Jot that down. Often when you feel like being alone, that's when you most need to join with others in prayer. Now, praying privately, that's important, yes, but I believe we miss so much when we neglect joining with others to pray. Friend, who have you prayed with this week? I don't mean did you come to the prayer meeting I attended or that someone else attended. There's lots of places to pray. But what other believer did you pray with? Did you pray with anybody else? And if you did, what did that prayer look like? Did you and your friends, did you declare, Lord, you know better than us. Show us which way to choose. Or did you spend all of your time saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this. Remember that. We want this to happen. Or did you say, God, you know more than me. What would you have? Did you pray sporadically? Or was it a consistent part of your pattern of life? Now, for some of us, it comes easier than others to join with others in prayer. But it is a blessing to all of us. It's not just for a few personality types. A third thought from this section is prayerful waiting. It's not idle time. It's not wasted time. It's active dependence. This one hit me the hardest personally this week. Often when we are waiting on God, it can feel like a waste of time. Or we can feel like we're frozen and we're just to do nothing. But yet God calls us to obey what he has already told us. They had not received the gift that was promised to them. But Jesus said, remember, there's things you won't understand. God knows more than you. Our final passage I want us to look at quickly here today. Look at verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And skipping down to verse 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Now some, however, made fun of them and said that they just had too much to drink. They were just drunk. What's happening here? What is the point? What is so miraculous about Pentecost? You see, it was God's timing, not the disciples. It was spontaneous. Suddenly it took place. It wasn't on their calendar. It wasn't on their agenda. They had been meeting regularly to pray and to worship and lift up God. But it was only when God said, now is the time that he gave the gift. Next we see what's happened with the disciples. It's, it's the wind, it's the fire, it's the filling of the Holy Spirit that ushers in the miraculous. How do we see the miraculous things of God take place? There's something about the wind, the fire, and the Holy Spirit filling us that ushers in this miraculous. Dr. Philip Benz shares some interesting thoughts on this. First, God sent the sound of a violent wind in verse 2. But it's important to note that both the Hebrew and Greek original languages behind the Old and New Testament have a single word that we translate into breath, wind, and spirit. So when we read in English, breath, wind, and spirit, it's a single word in Greek or in Hebrew. At times, scholars are uncertain which English word they should use to translate this Hebrew or Greek word. For example, we read in Genesis, at the creation of Adam, God breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life. 
Ezekiel's vision of the dry bones, he uses the word several times in the manner that demonstrates how the wind and how the breath and how the Spirit of God are all related concepts. Thus, the wind can symbolize the move of the Spirit. This is going to make sense for us here in a second. And so Jesus' example of this pun that he tells Nicodemus when he says in John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. It's this symbolizing of the wind of the, of the very power of the Spirit of God. Well, if the disciples weren't puzzled enough over what wind meant, God gave them fire to convince them that he was acting in a miraculous way. Reflecting back over their experience, the apostles might have remembered that God used fire to represent his presence in other places. God used a smoking fire pot to seal his covenant with Abraham. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. And because of the association between Pentecost and the giving of the law, the apostles certainly would have remembered God's descending on Mount Sinai in the form of a fireball. Perhaps God intended this violent wind to represent his power. Perhaps God intended for this fire to symbolize his purity and his work of cleansing that takes place. I believe there's something for us in this, that this wind, this fire, lead to the filling of His Spirit. We need to be shaken up. We need to be cleansed to receive the power of the Spirit. And finally, a crowd gathered in amazement at being able to understand their native language, which was being proclaimed. They were amazed. They gathered because they could understand the the praise and the proclamation of God. Now, there were things they didn't get. They didn't understand how it was possible. They didn't understand how these people were speaking, and yet everybody from different nationalities were hearing in their own language. They didn't understand that, but what it was clear, they understood what they were saying. They saw God clearly, and it made sense to them. Once again, I believe God has something for us. Friend, you and I will never receive power when we are serving our own agenda. Sometimes we think God isn't moving He's not doing anything. It's not so much that God isn't moving. It's more like God's not moving in your timetable. He's not moving in the way that you want Him to move. As long as you're putting your agenda first, you won't see the miraculous move of God. You have to be in a place where you study His Word, when you pray, when you lift up His name, that He chooses to move, that you are ready to receive what He has. Second, often, what may feel like a violent purging the winds and storms that you think are the storms of life may lead to the great promise of the fullness of his spirit enabling us with his power friend often when we lack god's power it's because we have we have denied we've said god i don't want you to blow in the wind to stir things up in my life just leave me alone god i don't want you to pour out your fire to burn away the impurities in my life just kind of leave me alone we build up walls i believe in you god but i don't want you to get that close The fullness of His Spirit that brings His power requires the breath, the the powerful wind of the Spirit, and it requires the fire that brings purity in our hearts. This is a part of the filling of the Spirit. And maybe it's a reminder like these disciples got. Often when the Holy Spirit fills you, people will not be fixated on you. Rather, they'll be amazed at how they can see and understand God more clearly through you. Sometimes in in the body of believers, when we talk about the power of the Spirit, we lift up other people in our midst and say, man, they are so holy. Or we begin to hope that 
people will recognize us for the things that we do or the things that we don't do or the things that we say or, or how we're anointed we are. Friend, when you are filled with the power of the Spirit, God's authentically moving through you, people won't be amazed at you. They'll be amazed that they see God through you. Don't forget, next week we're going to see Peter's big old sermon that produces 3,000 new babies in Christ. This is the same guy who would say stupid things. He'd get both feet stuck in his mouth and he'd wonder why he couldn't walk. The same guy who would chop off people's ears. The same guy that Jesus had to say, Oh, how many times do I have to tell you over and over and over? So when he was filled with the Spirit, all his idiosyncrasies were gone? No. People were amazed. Not at how good Peter had become. They were amazed they could hear God through him. Friend, will you wait on God? Will you listen to what Jesus is telling you to do and what he's telling you to expect? Will you look for the miraculous power that God has in your life? Friend, today, what we have heard will give you faith. It will will give you joy. It will give you direction in your life. It will give you security. It will give you value. But the question is, what, what is it that God wants you to wait on Him for? I know. We like to talk about it, but we don't really want to read it. We like to read it, but we don't really want to do it. We don't mind talking about doing it, but just do it quick. I mean, Brady, it's 12.06. Come on. Colts are playing the Broncos. They're going to lose. The Colts are going to lose. It's okay. Just forget. I mean, let's, let's get on. Friend, we don't do this on our timetable. When will you wait on God this week? Beyond today, not this time, but when will you wait on God? He has something for you. It's not just for them. It's for us today. I want to thank you for your attention. As we close this morning, would you, would you stand with me? I want to pray for us and allow God to seal this in our heart in a way that can be meaningful. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who gave such great attention to your word today. But God, I ask as I do many times, would you take anything that I've shared that's not beneficial to your intent from these words that that can be confusing. God, let it fall quickly from their mind. Let them forget me and my words really fast. But Lord, the things that came through today to them, that is of your spirit moving, let your glossy, let let that interpretation take place, Lord. Would you root that seed deep in their heart? Let it germinate and take root in a way that it will spread in their life. God, may they sense that you're calling them to wait on you first. May they sense that that you want to give them power to fulfill your agenda. God, may they sense today that what is screaming for their attention, you and your plan will address that if they follow you. Lord, I thank you right now that as you have just pulled back the curtain on this text for us today, that you're going to remind us and inspire us to dive into this word later on this week. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters at work, at home, in the morning, late at night, as they listen to the audio Bible on, on the treadmill, however they're taking in your word. God, would you allow this to captivate their heart? Thank you for what you're doing in our midst. It's in your name we pray. Amen.